Welcome, all of you online and in-house. Glad you're here. Jesus knows our heart, and nothing is hidden. Nothing is hidden. In a small town, a prosecuting attorney called his first witness to the stand, a grandmotherly, elderly woman. He approached her and asked, Mrs. Jones, do you know me? And she responded, why, yes, I know you, Mr. Williams. I've known you since you were a young boy. And frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. You lie, you cheat on your wife, you manipulate people and talk to them about them behind your, their backs. You're, you think you're a rising big shot, and you haven't the brains to realize that you'll never amount to anything more than a two-bit paper pusher. Yes, I know you. <laughs> the lawyer was stunned, not knowing what else to say. He pointed across the room and said, well, well, Mrs. Jones, do you know the defense attorney? She replied, well, yes, I do. I've known Mr. Bradley since he was a youngster, too. I used to babysit him for his parents, and he, too, has been a real disappointment to me. He's lazy, bigoted, and has a drinking problem. The man can't build a normal relationship with anyone, and his law practice is one of the shoddiest in the entire state. Yes, I know him. And at this point, the judge hit his gravel down on his desk, and he brought the courtroom to silence, and he called both counselors up to his bench, and he said very quietly, if either of you asks her if she knows me, I will hold you in contempt and throw you in jail. <laughs> Interestingly, Jesus, in his next sentence, in this infamous Sermon on the Mount, said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Notice Jesus did not say, Blessed are the pure, for they will see God. He said, Blessed are the pure in heart. Jesus knows our heart. There's nothing hidden from him. And try as we might to make everything look good on the outside, our hearts are entirely a different matter. Jesus is dealing with heart matters. Billy Graham once said, we are suffering from the only one disease in the world. Our basic problem isn't a race problem. Our basic problem isn't a poverty problem. Our basic problem isn't a war problem. Our basic problem is a heart problem. Another preacher said, the problem of sin is not the world around us, it's the world within us. Jesus continues to lay out these truths that are counterintuitive, even backward from our culture's point of view. Our world says purity looks like this on the outside, and Jesus challenges us to look past the skin, to look deeper, to the heart of the matter. Blessed are the pure in heart. The Greeks' understanding of purity, as you might guess, is a little bit different than what we are accustomed to. We have in similar that it is cleaning up something. There's an aspect of purity that's like washing soiled laundry and refining metals by fire and sifting chaff away from the kernel. But the Greeks understood purity even deeper as something to be unmixed. In other words, having unmixed motives. Having no double allegiance. Having an allegiance to just one. And here a person looks the same in public as in private. Someone still looks like Jesus even when no one's watching. Siren Kierkegaard, the Danish theologian, said, 
Purity of heart is to will one thing. And this really describes our, our struggle because so much is clamoring for our attention. And it's so easy to be distracted from the main thing. Look how Merton so eloquently put it. I love this guy. Purity of heart means the renunciation of all deluded images of ourselves, all exaggerated estimates of our own capacities, in order to obey God's will as it comes to us in the difficult demands of life and its exacting truth. Purity of heart is then correlative to a new spiritual identity. And that identity must be found beyond ourself. Because our hearts, once they become impure, you know, the Scripture's really clear about this. If you are guilty in one little spot of heart impurity, then your whole heart is contaminated. One part of impurity, we're dead in the water. The human being has no ability to clean a dirty, divided heart. There's no detergent. There's no medical procedure. This is a spiritual issue, and we can't clean our heart up. If we could, Jesus wouldn't wouldn't have needed to come. It's a spiritual problem. And left to ourselves, our human heart condition is without hope. And God wanted to make sure that we didn't have any ambiguity on that. He wanted to make sure we understood exactly the condition of our heart. So he told Jeremiah the prophet, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? In Ecclesiastes, Solomon would write, The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live. Jesus himself would say, For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a a person. Solomon again would say, he who trusts confidently in his own heart is a dull, thick-headed fool. But he who walks in skillful and godly wisdom will be rescued. Love the Amplified on that. We should have absolutely no confidence at all in our own heart. In fact, do you know one of the worst things that you can tell somebody? They're facing a decision in You should never say, oh, just follow your heart. Oh, no, don't tell them to follow their heart. Urge them to follow Jesus. The reason we want to follow Jesus and we don't want to follow our heart is because Jesus is bigger than our heart. John the Apostle got this. Look how he explained it. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. And because he's the only one that is greater than our hearts, he's the only one that can make them pure. It's, It's a problem we can't handle on our own. Look what God is wanting to do in each of us. From Ezekiel the prophet in the old law. Look at this. God says, and I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart 
and give you a tender, responsive heart. After King David gave in to sexual temptation and murder with Bathsheba and then murdered her husband, he knew that the only hope for his wretched heart was if God intervened. When the prophet Nathan confronted him, then he knew, my only chance. So what did he write in that famous passage in Psalm 51? Create a pure heart in me, O God. I cannot fix this. I've blown it. Create a pure heart in me, O God, and put a new or put a loyal, a new and loyal spirit in me. The heart really <laughs> matters to God. Can I make that point any stronger? And the devil knows it. The devil knows that God's got our heart, and so he wants just a part of it. He knows he can't get all of it. He wants just a part of it, a sliver. Because where there's a crack, a division can begin. God has another goal in mind for our hearts. He again told Solomon, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Look at this from the message. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. The heart matters. The reason it matters so much to God is because if God has our whole heart, then he has all of us. If God has your heart, he's got all of you. Now, that's, that's the perspective. That's God wanting us. But can we flip the coin just for a second and, and make this relationship, just do a 180 and look at it from our perspective to him? I know generally speaking, we really find our motivation knowing how God views us. But let's go the other way just for a second. God definitely wants our heart and he wants all of us. But do we want him? I mean, why? If I was to ask you that question and we were to pass around the microphone, what, what would you say? Why do you want God? Do you want God so that you can have a better fulfilling life here? I mean, you know, better health and more wealth. Why do, why do you want God? Do you want God for what he can do for you? What he can give you? So if that's why I want God then what happens when God doesn't do what I want? What happens when he doesn't give me what I want? What happens when he allows something in my life that I think is just dead wrong? Do I still want him then? Or is it possible to see beyond our own physical existence and everything that we wish was different with our life on this planet, is it possible to see with the eyes of faith that there is, in fact, something more, specifically someone more? Big O. Could my view of God transcend my own temporary condition here and now to something that is better and beyond literally out of this world. In the 5th century, St. Augustine wrote his famous book, The City of God. You guys got to see this quote. Now, at best, because of our fallen nature, 
our impurity of heart. If we see God, we see through that glass darkly. But it will not always be so. When the body, freed from corruption, offers no hindrance to the soul, the saints will certainly need no bodily eyes to see what is there to be seen, the Lord's day, which is to last forever. There we shall be still and see. We shall see what we shall love. We shall see and we shall love. We shall love and we shall praise. Behold, what will be in the end, without end. I think what Jesus is saying in this sentence of his sermon is, if you let me purify your heart to the point that you no longer want God for what he can do for you, but you just want God, if you let me give you that kind of pure heart, I'm going to let you see me. And when the only person in Scripture who was described as a man after God's own heart, when God purified his heart and opened up his eyes, do you know what he wrote? He wrote this. Look at the screen. One thing I have asked of the Lord. And that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty, the delightful loveliness and majestic grandeur of the Lord. I tell you what, y'all, when we are given the purity of heart to no longer see God as the genie in the bottle, that's here for our every wish. When we are given the purity of heart to no longer see God as here for us, but the correct perspective that we are here for Him. That kind of purity of heart that only comes from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who makes it pure will then give us more than we ever imagined. actually see him you know you wonder about all the things that we're going to be doing in heaven and everybody has these crazy ideas I'll tell you something we're going to be so caught up with the incredible being on the throne that we probably won't be able to take our eyes off of him blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God Father, we know not what we ask for. If our eyes could be opened, opened and we would really see you, it would be too much. But the thought, the thought of seeing you and taking in your glory, we do have faith and we believe and we don't want to look at you any longer as just a genie in the bottle. It's not about what you can do for us. Oh, Father, we are here for you. 
Hear our hearts as we sing. Make them clean. In Jesus' name.